Today on The Journey with Pastor Steve DeWitt, a warning from the life of Judas. Judas uses Jesus. Judas was about the benefits, but he was not about the belief. And this is why I hold out to you today Judas Iscariot as as, uh, example A of play-acting Christianity. Welcome to The Journey with Steve DeWitt. The name Judas Iscariot has become synonymous with betrayal. But when it comes to the life of Judas Iscariot, there's often a haunting gap in our understanding of the motivations and complexities that shaped his tragic path. Today, Pastor Steve brings us to the scriptures for an up-close analysis of the world's most notorious traitor. It's the second part of a message titled, Judas Iscariot, A Tragic Life. And it's also available at The Journey... Here's Pastor Steve to get us started. Now, when you think about Judas Iscariot, we can easily miss the fact that Judas had incredible spiritual privileges. In spite of Judas's privileged position, things he saw, closeness to Jesus, he's in hell. So let's learn from Judas Iscariot. He had a front row seat for the miracles of Jesus. He's hearing all of these famous messages, the Sermon on the Mount and all the rest. He's hearing Jesus teaching them. He experienced that power. And then finally, day in and day out, for three years, Judas lived with the incarnate Son of God. We could call him an intimate friend of Jesus. Which brings us now with that background, to John chapter 13 and the upper room. Judas plays a very significant role in the story of the upper room. And we pick up the story now in verse 21, chapter 13. After saying these things, Jesus was troubled in his spirit and testified, truly, truly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. The disciples looked at one another, uncertain of whom he spoke. One of his disciples, whom Jesus loved, this is John, was reclining at table close to Jesus. So Simon Peter motioned him to ask Jesus of whom he was speaking. So that disciple, John, leaning back against Jesus, said to him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, it is he to whom I will give this morsel of bread when I have dipped it. So when he had dipped the morsel, he gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. Then after he had taken the morsel, Satan entered into him. Jesus said to him, what you are going to do, do quickly. Now no one at the table knew why he said this to him. Some thought that because Judas had the money bag, Jesus was telling him, buy what we need for the feast, or that he should give something to the poor. So after receiving the morsel of bread, he immediately went out, and it was night." But he hands him the the bread after dipping it, and Judas gets up. He very quickly leaves the upper room and he goes to the authorities and he says, now is the time. He's going to Gethsemane. And so the Pharisees send out word. A Roman cohort is gathered. They go in in mass, huge force, following Judas's lead. And the text says this in Luke 22, while he was still speaking, there came a crowd and the man called Judas, one of the 12, was leading them. He drew near to Jesus to kiss him, 
But Jesus said to him, Judas, would you betray the Son of Man with a kiss? And again, the treachery here is just, it's just layer upon layer, isn't it? And they arrest Jesus. And here is the rest of the story for Judas Iscariot. Sometime after Jesus' arrest, Judas Iscariot has remorse for what he has done. Judas went out to a field and with a rope, apparently a field that had a, a kind of high place on it with a tree, and he hung himself on the tree. Only, sometime maybe before he died, we're not sure, the rope broke and Judas fell down onto rocks and Acts 1, this is in the Bible, Acts 1 says that his intestines spilled out everywhere. Judas is in hell still today. We know he is in hell. Again, Jesus says in John 17, calls him the son of destruction. He says this in Matthew 26, the son of man goes as it is written of him, but woe to that man by whom the son of man is betrayed. It would be better for that man if he had not been born. Those are terrifying words to hear from the great king and judge of all. Judas is in hell today. And what is he thinking there? How does he reflect upon the privileges that were his, the incredible honor to be amongst the 12 disciples of Jesus, to go over in his mind over and over again, how and why he did what he did. He is still there in hell, enduring punishment without the chance of parole, pardon, or end. It is a tragic story. It is a tragic life. And it provides us some very important truths so that we do not follow the path of the tragic life of Judas Iscariot. And I'd like to highlight those because my aim here is that everybody here goes to heaven, okay? I want all of you to go to heaven. But this is where Judas's example is kind of scary, honestly, because he shows us how easy it is to be a fake to appear like everybody else, but actually in your heart, to be a fake. Or as I say here, spiritual light, he had it, but without authentic faith in Jesus. You would think somebody like, I mean, how could anybody see the miracles, walk with Jesus, live with Jesus, talk to Lazarus after he's raised from the dead, experience all the things that Judas did. How could somebody see miracles and not believe? Or we might think this, if only we preached better, if only our ministries were more effective, if only we were, you know, uh, better organized, more visionary, more missional. You know, if we really got our act together around here, there wouldn't be anybody in Northwest Indiana that goes to hell. They all would believe if only we did it better. And yet here you have Judas Iscariot, who is up close and personal. He has the greatest spiritual privilege of anyone who ever lived. And yet he rejected Jesus and he went to hell. He didn't love Jesus. He was an opportunist. You think about, like, what was Judas's thing? 
He was an opportunist. And somehow, money, or we might say materialism, of this worldliness was in Judas's heart in such a way that he saw the opportunity to be with Jesus as something that he could benefit from. And in the end, he monetizes that relationship in order to betray Jesus. In fact, he uses Jesus. Judas uses Jesus. Judas was about the benefits, but he was not about the belief. And this is why I hold out to you today Judas Iscariot as, as uh, example A of play-acting Christianity, of acting like you are something that in your heart you are not. And this is why all of us, myself included, should look at Judas Iscariot and say, is my faith a pretension or is it real? Am I about Jesus because of the benefits I get with Jesus? Or do I love him actually in my heart? Isn't that how Jesus uh, restored Peter? Okay, I'm gonna get into Peter in a moment here. But so, so Peter denies Jesus. This same night, it's a bad night for Judas, it's a bad night for Peter. Peter denies Jesus. But later, Jesus restores Peter and he doesn't say, do, are you, do you regret what you did? He doesn't say, do you realize how stupid that was? No, three times he asks a question and it's the central question for us here today. Peter, do you love me? Because for a true disciple of Jesus, that is the bottom line. That I love him, I don't love him as much as I should, and my love is, is weak, but is it real? Is it true? And this counterfeit faith, sadly, is all too common. It frightens me to think about how many people online, here in the room, campuses all over, we got all these people sort of, you know, jumping on the bandwagon and, and wanting to be a part of what God is doing and isn't it great? And maybe that's you. You're like, you're kind of into Jesus and it kind of scratches a certain spiritual itch in your life and you kind of like the spiritual vibe and maybe you like some of the Christian entertainment and the music and the this and the that. It's so easy, in fact, many ways, easier now than ever to sort of be on the bandwagon of Jesus but not be an actual disciple of Jesus. You, like Judas, are in it because of what you get out of it. And the scary reality is that you can be around the real thing but not have the real thing. These are some of the most frightening words in all the Bible, Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 7. Jesus says this, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of the Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. We see in this text, you can do great things in the name of Jesus. Apparently great things. Judas did. He cast out demons. He preached Jesus. He was a part of the whole thing. Lord, Lord. But Jesus looks at Judas, and I want to make sure he's not looking at you today, friend, and saying, I never knew you. There was never a reality to your faith. You were play acting. You were on the bandwagon. You were around the Jesus thing. But you never loved me. 
you never knew me. And this is where I think Judas's hypocrisy provides a foil, a kind of a counterpoint to what actual, authentic, saving faith looks like. Because if, if, you're, if I'm you and I'm sitting here and the preacher's up here saying the things that I'm saying, I'm looking in my heart and going, well, what about me? Do, do I have the real thing? I, I, want, I want my sins forgiven. I want to know that I have eternal life. I want to know and love Jesus. How do I know if it's real? How do I know if it's true? And I want to just contrast Judas here with two people who we know had the, the real thing. Mary and Peter. So Judas. Judas loved money. He loved money. Mary loved Jesus. I don't have time to tell the whole story, but you might be familiar with the story where Mary brings out the incredibly extravagant and expensive perfume, and she anoints Jesus with this perfume. And it fill, you know, the smell fills the whole room, and Judas is there, and he is appalled that she would waste something so valuable on Jesus. And... Judas rebukes Mary, and, and Jesus rebukes Judas. We come to find out this is because Judas was hoping that maybe the value of that, it could be sold, and the money could be put in the, in the money bag, and since he was in charge of the money bag, then maybe he could himself profit a little bit from the value of the perfume. He wasn't thinking about the adoration, the worship, the veneration, the love. He was thinking about the finances and the money. And what we see in this is that true faith treasures Christ. That's Mary. Fake faith treasures treasure. And Judas loved the treasure. Is there not a warning for us in the materialistic day that we live in to beware? Let's talk about Judas and Peter. As I mentioned earlier, this was a bad night for both of them. Uh, Peter, and, and Jesus even told him, before the rooster crows, you're gonna deny me three times. If, if I'm Peter, I'm thinking to myself, like, there's no way, I'm, I'm, I'm not gonna say anything. If I don't say anything, I won't deny him. So I am zippo, no take, I am, no, I, I, I'm, that is not going to happen. And as you know, it happened. Peter denies Jesus three times. And so we have this contrast. Judas betrayed Jesus. Peter denies Jesus. You might say, which is the worst sin? I say both are really bad, okay? Both are terrible, terrible sins. The difference between these two is not the guilt of what they did. It is the response to what they did. Judas has remorse and wishes that he hadn't done it. Peter has remorse and wishes that he hadn't done it three times. What does Judas do? He responds with more sin and he murders himself. Peter sought the Lord and was restored. So we think about ourselves here. Did you know that Christians sin? Okay, 
Oh, yes. And sometimes we sin spectacularly. The difference between the Christian and the non-Christian is that both feel remorse, both feel guilty, la, la, la. But a genuine Christian wants the relationship restored with God and goes about whatever it takes to do that. We will confess our sins. We will turn away from them in repentance. We try to restore our testimony. Whatever harm we did, we try to make it right. I've seen this in many times in both directions that a professing Christian will, will sin as well. Maybe even a, a member of our church and that sin is somehow made public. And all of a sudden, that person, who I haven't seen at prayer meeting or Bible study in years, occasional attender on a Sunday morning, all of a sudden, they are desperate to meet with me. Or they are showing up at, I mean, they could be men and they're coming to the women's Bible study. Like they are trying desperately to assuage their guilt and to show everybody what a sincere and good person I am. They want to meet with me. They want me to, which I can't do, but they, they want me to somehow absolve them of their guilt. And they don't want anybody to know about it. They are in damage control. And guess what happens? I've seen this over and over. Eventually the crisis passes. And this person who hasn't missed a prayer meeting, a Bible study, uh, you know, a gathering of any kind in like weeks off they go, and you don't see them again. They're right back to where they were. And you ask the question, were they really seeking Christ? Do they really love him? Are they Mary or are they Judas? Are they Peter or are they Judas? And I contrast that with how sweet it is. And, you know, we, we never want to go soft on sin, ever. We believe in the holiness of God but we also believe in grace, amazing grace. And to see somebody who spectacularly sins and the response to that in their life uh, is that they humbly go and they talk to people who are affected by their sins. They try to make it right. They admit their guilt to God. They'll admit their guilt to anybody who asks them. They have no desire to hide the sin anymore. They take steps to change the behavior, whatever it was. There is a kind of sincerity about them. And friends, that is Peter. And what I want you to realize is that Judas, that Jesus never occupied that kind of place in Judas's heart. Not like Peter. Peter goes on to be the leader of the, of the church. Peter writes books of the Bible. Peter responds to the terrible sin and God does a work of grace in his life. And we praise God for Peter. And I just wanna ask you today, in your heart of hearts, not who you appear to be, but in the you that only you know, who do you resemble here? Are you Judas or are you Mary? Are you Judas or are you Peter? Does Jesus actually occupy a place of sincere affection in your heart? Are you a pretender or a genuine follower? 
And the great news is that if you come even today to Jesus sincerely, and sometimes our prayers sound like this, like, I'm not even sure how I'm supposed to feel. I don't, know, I don't know what I'm supposed to say other than I want you to know that I want the real thing. Help my unbelief. Help me, God. I want to... I think those are the kinds of prayers that the genuine, sincere follower of Jesus, even in weakness, offers to God and indicates a genuine, saving faith within. So final question. What if Judas, after his betrayal, after the arrest, after he has remorse and realizes what he has done, what if Judas, rather than going and taking his own life, would have somehow found a way back into Caiaphas's court and fell at Jesus' feet and said, be merciful to me, I have sinned. Do you think that Judas could have been forgiven for betraying the Son of God? I think that he would have been. And why do I say that? Because such is the grace of God. As the song says, marvelous grace of our loving Lord, grace that exceeds our sin and our guilt, no matter what it is. And I say this as an encouragement to you. I don't know what you've done, but no matter what you've done, it isn't as bad as what Judas did. And if Judas could be forgiven, friend, you can be too. Such is the grace of God. For any who will humble themselves before him, and come sincerely asking for his kindness and grace, trusting in that death of Jesus on the cross as the sufficient payment for all our sins. This is mercy and grace that we find on the path over and over again as a follower of Jesus, and we find the opportunity to be restored, for our lives to be made right, even when our lives look a lot like Judas Iscariot. And that is a tragic life. Make sure it's not your life. Amen. A strong warning from the life of Judas from Pastor Steve DeWitt here on The Journey. This is the conclusion of a message titled, Judas Iscariot, A Tragic Life. If you missed part one, you can replay the full message online at thejourney.fm. Or if it's more convenient, subscribe to our podcast. Just search for The Journey with Pastor Steve DeWitt. Well, today's message underscored the significance of our choices and the impact they can have, especially when they lead to the betrayal of Christ or His teachings. That's why here on The Journey, we're committed to teaching the Word of God in its entirety, no sugarcoating. And we do it through the radio and the web each and every day, enabling listeners to nurture their connection with Jesus Christ or even accept Him for the very first time. But as a listener-supported program, we couldn't do it without you. The journey relies in part on the financial gifts of generous friends like you, which allow us to share the truth of the gospel with listeners all around the country. So would you consider giving today? You can call 844-7-JOURNEY. That's 844-756-8763. Or give online at thejourney.fm. 
And when you do, we'll say thanks by sending you Decision-Making and the Will of God. It's a book by Gary Friesen and J. Robin Maxson. Most Christians have heard lessons about how to find God's will, and yet many are still unsure whether they found it. In this book, Friesen examines the prevalent view on God's will today and provides a sound biblical alternative to the traditional teaching about how God guides us. You can request your copy of this practical book by calling 844-7-JOURNEY. That's 844-756-8763 or visit thejourney.fm. On our website, you can also find our message archive, send us an email with your questions or comments, or find practical Bible studies. Again, that's thejourney.fm. Well, I'm your host, Tim Svoboda, and that's all our time for today. Be sure to join us again tomorrow, when next time Pastor Steve shares a message titled, A New Command. That's Wednesday on The Journey. Today's program was produced and furnished by Bethel Church in Crown Point, Indiana.